Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Peringer. As we begin this Christmas season, I want to talk about making an exchange. You know, in the Christmas season, we talk about gift exchanges in many different kinds of senses, but <clears throat> the specific sense that I want to talk to you about is what happens on December 26th. When you exchange some of the gifts that you had, for some reason or another, you wanted a new color or the size doesn't fit. You receive these gifts, there's an issue with it, and so you change it. You make an exchange. I want to use that concept regarding habits, lifestyles, thought patterns, attitudes, that we take upon ourselves, we could say that we have gifted ourselves, but these are thought patterns and dispositions that are harmful to us. These are ways of thinking and living that will do us great harm. It's harmful to us spiritually. But here's the thing, the devil will take these dispositions, they will, he will take these thought patterns and will reinforce them in the hopes to make us useless for the work of the kingdom of God and for the work of the gospel. Because the devil knows that if he can fortify these harmful thoughts within us, we won't be able to serve God as we have been gifted. The, the devil will use these thoughts, these attitudes, these dispositions <coughs> to neutralize us. If we allow him to do that, he, he builds these strongholds within us, and they seem insurmountable. But we can't allow these patterns, dispositions to get a foothold in our life. And if we have taken on these terrible habits, what we need to do is make an exchange. We need to exchange them for godly attitudes, godly thoughts, biblical worldviews, heavenly perspectives. And so this Christmas season, I want us to make several exchanges. Today, I want us to exchange our worry for trust. I want us to exchange our worry for trust. And it's not trusting in just anything. All the pop psychologists will say, well, you know, trust in yourself. Trust in your self-image, trust in your self-confidence, trust in your self-esteem, trust in your self-worth. That's not going to get you very far, because you will let yourself down. It's when you trust in one who is beyond you and above you that you can get beyond the worry. The only way to get rid of worry is to trust God, and that is so needed, because worry is so harmful to our souls. We like to excuse it. We like to say, we like to defend it in a way. Well, that's just the way I am, you know. And my mom was a worrier, so I'm a worrier. This has happened, so that's why I'm a worrier. But the worry is going to do harm to you. In fact, it the experts say that worry is a killer. It slowly kills us physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Dr. Charles Mayo of the famous Mayo Clinic says this. 
He says there's a growing mountain of evidence that suggests that worry is the chief contributor to depression, nervous breakdowns, high blood pressure, heart attacks, and early death. Stress kills. I've never known a man to die from hard work, but I've known a lot who have died from worry. Now, there is no doubt, Christian, that we go through a lot of trials, tribulations, troubles, problems in this earth. I mean, there are stressors out there beyond measure. But here's the thing. Just because those trials and those stressors are out there does not mean we allow them to become a burden upon us and our souls. We do not have to worry. We do not need to be anxious because we can trust God to take care of our most pressing needs. So here's what I want us to see today. Worry weakens its grip when it is exchanged for trust in God. <coughs> Let me say that again. Worry weakens its grip when it is exchanged for trust in God. And that's what Jesus teaches us in this passage. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Why don't we stand in reverence to the reading of God's holy word as I read this passage. Jesus tells us, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are, are you of not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? I mean, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them, need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, we thank you that you are a God that we can trust. And I pray that's where we place all of our lives. Anything that is weighing heavy on us, Lord, may we give it to you, the one who watches over us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. I want to give you some context to the passage that we just read. It's in the middle of the Sermon of the Mount that Jesus was giving. Christ here is talking about kingdom values. And right before our passage, Jesus warns people to be careful where they invest their earthly treasures. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That means if you invest in the world, your heart is going to cling to the world. If you invest in the eternal, your heart will cling to the eternal. <coughs> and what is the reason 
that people give for why they invest so much in the worldly. They invest in the worldly because they think that they have to take care of their own needs and no one else will do it for them. I mean, yeah, it's also dealing with your wants and desires and the, desi- and the lust, whatever it is you might lust after. But people invest in the world, in their own wisdom, in their own power. But when you invest that way, that means that it's in your own power and in your own wisdom that you have to maintain everything that you have. And no matter how people fight against this, there is no human, there's no one in here, there's no one out there that can control everything. And there's no one in here and no one out there that can control the future. With all of the uncertainty of whether or not you in your own power and in your own wisdom will be able to cling to your earthly treasures, there comes the stark reality that, well, I can't. I'm not able to gain and I'm not able to maintain that which I have. And so that thought that I don't know if I can hold on to that which I desire to hold on to. That thought causes worry. It causes anxiety. We know in our heart of hearts that our circumstances could change at any moment. And so we fret about what might be. We fret about what could be. The, the human in their natural state worries because they only have themselves to trust. They can only trust in themselves. And trusting in yourself is the equivalent of thinking that a thin sheet of paper will hold up a two-ton truck. It's not going to happen. So if I'm not able to control and make sure that I maintain, does that mean (coughs) that everything is left up to fate? That everything is left up to chance? Not if you know God through Jesus Christ. If you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you are God's child. And that changes your circumstances both here on earth and for all of eternity. And if you belong to God, guess what? You no longer have to rely on yourself. You can rely on God. If you trust that God is in control, the one who is eternal, the one who created everything, if you, tr- if you trust that he's in control, then why worry if he has it under control? Remember what I said before. Worry weakens its grip when it is exchanged for trust in God. Well, how do we make that exchange? Well, there are four quick actions that Jesus gives us here in this passage to talk about that. And the first is that you need to trust that God provides. Trust that God provides. (coughs) Jesus tells the listeners, there's no reason for you to worry and be anxious about earthly matters. I mean, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. You know, and those are so basic. By extension, Jesus is saying there's nothing that's an earthly matter that you need to worry about. But why does he say that? 
Why should we not worry? Because God provides everything that his children needs on earth. Now, notice I said needs, not necessarily wants. But God provides everything that his children need while here on earth. Earth, but how do we know that? How do we know we can trust that? <coughs> Jesus gives us the answer. He says, look at how God sustains all the rest of creation. Look at what God does. If God sustains all the rest of creation, will he take his children and toss them to the side? Will he forget about his children? I mean, if God is powerful enough to ensure that the entire universe maintains its course, would it be that difficult for God to take care of you in every aspect of your life? Is God's arms and hands so short that, they, that he can reach every corner of creation, but somehow he can't reach you in your time of need? So Jesus says, consider the birds of the air. They don't do the agriculture stuff. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't harvest. They don't do the agriculture. And yet God feeds them. He says, look at, the, look at these flowers in the field. They don't knit. They don't sew. They don't crochet. They don't do any of that. And yet they're clothed better than the majestic Solomon has ever been clothed. So Jesus says, consider this. If God provides for birds and flowers and all the rest of creation, will he not take care of and provide for you? What parent is there that would go around and take and feed and clothe and take care of everyone in their, own, in their neighborhood and yet neglect to feed and clothe their own children? There's no parent that would do that. So why do you think God would be like that you have to ask yourself is god capable of providing for my needs yes he's omnipotent he's all-powerful yes he can is god willing to provide for my needs well right here jesus says yes does god promise that he'll provide and does god keep his promises yes and yes to both of those so if god is willing and god is able and god keeps his promises why do you worry even when you're in your time of deepest need, even when things seem so dark in your world, will God provide? Knowing that he provides, why worry? There's a story about a man named John Brentz who was a friend of Martin Luther. He was a pastor back in the days of the Reformation. Well, he was hated by King Charles V, and King Charles V made many attempts to kill him, arrest him, do whatever to him, to get a hold of him. And so John Brentz, he, he threw himself in prayer and felt led of the Lord to hide in an attic in the house, but taking only a loaf of bread. He went up in stairs, found, the, found a door, went up into the attic, and there he hid for 14 days. But the thing is, one loaf of bread is not going to sustain you for 14 days. But by what the rest of the world would say is coincidence, but we know being the providence of God, there was a hen who would come up into the attic every day and lay an egg. For 14 days, that hen came up. And then on the 15th day, all of a sudden, the hen didn't show up. 
but Brent's overheard people out in the street saying something to the effect of it's about time that Spanish cavalry finally left. Those people who are looking for me have been around here are away. So, you know, he thought these people that have been looking for me, they're away. So he's able to come down. But think about this. In his situation, God provided. He didn't have to worry about where to hide and how a loaf of bread was going to sustain him. God provided what he needed. He didn't have to worry. If God takes care of birds, if God takes care of flowers, if God takes care of the entire universe, will he not provide for you? If so, why worry? Exchange your worry for trust. Trust that God provides. But secondly today, not only do we trust that God provides, we trust that God loves. We trust that God loves. You know, after Jesus uses the birds and creation as examples of God's provision, he asks this question. If God provides for birds and plants and all of creation, aren't you of more value than them? Aren't you of more value than the rest of them? Aren't you worth more to God than all of creation? I mean, the, the question is, is phrased in such a way that the expected, the expected answer is yes. Yes, I, as a child of God, am more valuable to God than all the rest of creation put together. And so God, Jesus here is reminding his listeners and us today that God loves us tremendously. You are a human being who, who has been made in the image of God. You are the image bearer of God. God created humanity to relate with, to fellowship with, to work alongside with on this creation. Now, yes, humanity has sinned and rebelled. And yes, the wrath of God lays upon, the huma uh, upon humanity because of that sin. And yet God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how he demonstrates his love. He demonstrated his love in that Christ died for us and then for those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, <coughs> you are adopted as sons and daughters of the living God. You have become heirs of all that God promises. You've become joint heirs with Christ himself. Now, if you are not a Christian, just know this. God loved you so much that he provided the only means of salvation through Jesus Christ. He provided you with the cure for your sin problem. If you are a Christian, think about this. God, through Christ, did all that needed to be done to forgive you of your sins. He did everything that was needed to make you a child of the king. Would God ignore his children that he loves? You know, elsewhere, Jesus reminds us that if we who are humans, who are evil, know how to give good things to our children, how much more will God give to those who ask of him? Now, we do have to remember that God's methods and his timing are not ours. But you have to ask yourself an important question. Are you a child of God? If the answer is yes, then know that God loves you. You are of more value to him than all the rest of creation. 
If the answer is no, you are not a child of God, then you can remedy that by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and being saved. Believe that he died for you. Believe that he rose again. And believe that he will provide. If he provided the means of salvation out of love, will he not take care of everything else out of love? And so here's the bottom line. If you are a child of God, trust that God loves you. Trust him that he loves you. You know, when a, when a parent is living and acting like parents are expected to act, a young child doesn't worry or fret whether or not they'll be fed <coughs> or sheltered or whatever else. Why then would a child of God worry whether or not God loves them and will take care of them? I mean, if God took care of our ultimate need, will he not take care of everything else? If God provided his own son, will he not take care of everything else? If he takes care of the eternal, how hard is it for him to take care of the temporal? The Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out worry. Know this, that God has loved you with a perfect love. You can exchange your worry for trust, trusting that God loves you. Jesus loves you, this I know, because the Bible tells us so, right? And he says so right here. Trust that God loves you. But not only that, third, trust that God sees. Trust that God sees you. You know, a reason I think that we give for worry is that we don't think God sees what's going on in our life. Like somehow it, uh, he, he's just oblivious to what's going on in our world or he doesn't care or he's just ignoring us or, or something like that. And so we decide we're, we're going to take matters into our own hands. If God doesn't do things in our way, in our time, the way that we think he ought to do it, then, you know, if he's not meeting our needs the way we think he should. We decide, well, I'm going to do, I, I can do better. I can do better than God. So we take on this burden, but we take care of things in an earthly way as opposed to a heavenly way. Jesus says, you know, you, you, you have these pursuits. These pursuits here, these are what the Gentiles run after. These, are, these worldly things, this is what the Gentiles run after. This is what unbelievers run after. They are obsessed with the earthly. They are obsessed with the worldly. The unbeliever has no one to trust to supply their needs except themselves. They have nothing to look forward to. They have, their, their focus is completely on the here and now, what they can get out of the world. But Jesus says that is not the attitude of the believer. You, you are not to obsess over the worldly. You don't obsess over the worldly. Why? Because Jesus says our Heavenly Father knows that you need these things. He's saying God sees you. He sees what you need. He sees what you're going through. He knows that you have these needs. And He will give you what you need according to His time and in His way. God knows what you need. He knows when you need it. Let's be honest. God knows better than you do what you need. God knows better than I do what I need. 
And so he will give according to his wisdom, according to his power, according to what will bring him the most glory. You know, sometimes we think that we need this over here, but God says, well, no, you don't need that. You need this over here. Or sometimes God, you know, we think, well, I need this right here and right now. And God says, no, you're not ready for this here and now. I'll provide for you later what it is that you need. He sees, he knows, and he will provide. Just because things are not happening how you like or when you like or anything like that, don't think that God has turned a blind eye on you. He sees, he knows, he provides. What you need to do is trust. Trust that he does see, trust that he does care, trust that he will provide. That means you got to lay, out, lay down that burden of worry. I mean, Jesus says, I mean, what good is carrying that burden of worry doing for you? I mean, you can't, there's no growth when you're carrying that burden of worry. You can't, worry can't grow you an inch. Worry cannot add time to your life. Your, your life has been written in a book. Worry will not add time to your life. If anything, worry takes away time from your life, Right? God sees. We think of the Old Testament name given to God, Jehovah Jireh. The Lord sees. When Abraham was treasuring up Mount Moriah, being told to sacrifice his own son, not knowing what in the world awaited him at the top of the mountain, he trudged up that mountain, repeating, God sees. God sees. Abraham didn't know what the plan was. He didn't know how things were going to end, but Abraham obeyed. He continued up that mountain. And at the end, yes, God spared Isaac's life. A ram was given as a sacrifice in the place of Isaac. But Abraham, at the time, did not know what the outcome would be. All he knew was, and he named the place, Jehovah Jireh. God sees. God, God provides God sees. He, he, he gives. He saw the situation. He provided what was needed in the situation. And Abraham trusted God. His faith was rewarded. God sees you and God will provide. Elsewhere in Scripture, Jesus says that not even a sparrow falls to the ground without God the Father seeing and noticing. And he asked the question, aren't you worth more than a sparrow? I mean, the answer is yes, you're worth more than a sparrow. Joni Erickson Tata put this into perspective when she said this. She said, I glanced at a bird feeder and I kind of smiled. I could understand Jesus noticing an eagle or a falcon or a hawk when they would fall to the ground. I mean, those are important birds. Those are the kind you pay attention to. But a sparrow? I mean, a sparrow is a dime a dozen. I mean, Jesus himself says so in a sense. Out of, a, out of thousands of bird species, why would Jesus choose the most insignificant, least noticed, scruffiest bird of all? I mean, a sparrow. You know, this pint-sized thing that even dedicated bird watchers ignore. That thought alone calmed my fears. I felt significant and noticed because if God took note of a humble sparrow who they are, where they are, what they are doing. If God took note 
of a humble sparrow, I know that God keeps tabs on me. God is keeping tabs on you. Stop worrying. He sees. He loves. And he will provide. Just one other aspect I want you to consider. Trust that God prioritizes. And what I mean by that is trust that God knows what's most important. Not us. Instead of worrying and being anxious about the earthly, Jesus says, put your priorities in the heavenly. Use your time and energy for investing in the heavenly. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all those other things will be added to you. You prioritize the heavenly, the eternal, the, wor the worldly, God will take care of. God will take care of the worldly, you seek the heavenly. Instead of carrying the burden of worrying about your earthly needs, put your time and effort and energy into seeking the things of the kingdom of God. And, God, and trust that God's going to take care of all the rest of that stuff. We, we waste so much time and energy worrying about this earthly thing and that earthly thing. It eats up all our time and, and energy and, and focus, and, and we're not making a difference for eternity. And that's what the devil wants. The devil wants to remind us of all these earthly things going on so that we forget about the eternal. And he makes us useless for work of the kingdom. If, if the devil neutralizes us with the worldly, he knows he won't have to deal with us when it comes to the heavenly. We won't be a threat to him and his kingdom. Oh, they're too worried about earthly stuff. I don't got to worry about them. They're going to be doing their own thing. But if you put your thoughts, you concentrate your thoughts and efforts on what it is that God prioritizes, you don't have to worry about worry. You don't have to worry about these things. Your mind is going to be preoccupied with something of eternal significance and value. So you seek the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Well, we can say it's kind of found in the prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's personal obedience to following God. We, we become salt and light in a fallen world. But we're not able to seek the kingdom of God. We're not seeking his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven if we're constantly worried about the earthly. Now, in order to seek the kingdom, you've got to be part of the kingdom. Until you repent of your sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're an outsider. You're not going to understand the kingdom. You'll not be able to get rid of that burden of worry until you become part of the family. And then once you're part of the kingdom, it's the kingdom and its will and its values that we seek above all else, knowing and trusting God's going to take care of everything else. God will take care of all that earthly stuff. You concentrate on the heavenly and here's the thing, when your thoughts and desires are after the kingdom of God, all the worries of the world seem minuscule in comparison. When you, are, when you have this heavenly perspective, when you have this eternal perspective, you have this perspective that, well, you know what, my life is a vapor, and this earthly stuff isn't going to last, so I'm going to invest in the eternal as opposed to the worldly then guess what you're, you're just trusting God worry just goes away 
God wants you to seek his kingdom. He, seek loyalty, seek obedience, seek love, seek trust. Seek first the kingdom of God, and he's going to provide all that other stuff. Soren Kierkegaard, who was a Dutch theologian and philosopher, he said something to the effect that worldly worry has its basis in a person's unwillingness to be content that they are a human being. And what he means by that is that worry shows that you are trying to control something that no human can control. So really what you're trying to do is play God. When you worry, you're trying to play God because you think that you can control things that only God can control. So if you want to rid yourself of worry, stop playing God. And instead, trust God. Trust that God is God. Trust that God will provide. You know, the answer to worry is not the, the old song from the 80s, don't worry, be happy. That's not, that's not the answer. The answer is don't worry, trust God. Trust his love, trust his character. Trust that if he gave his only son to die for us, he'll take care of everything else. So we trust in God. You know, there, there are some Christians here today who have a burden they need to get rid of. You've had this burden of worry. You may have had this burden of worry for decades. It's not doing you any good. Stop playing God. Come to the altar today and drop that burden. Drop that, lay down that burden of worry at the feet of Jesus Christ and trust that God will be God. And seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, trusting that God will provide everything else. But if you're not a Christian, you have a lot of worry. And the most important worry you have is the destination of your eternal soul. And so, if you want to know the destination of your eternal soul, that you will be with God, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. You can get rid of the worry about where am I going after I die by trusting in Jesus Christ. That is the only way. If you trust in Buddha, if you trust in Muhammad, if you trust in yourself, if you trust in the golden rule, if you trust in church, yeah, you have a lot to worry about because none of those save your soul. Only Jesus Christ does. And so today, get rid of that burden and come to me up front and say, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. He'll take care of your earthly things. And all you do is trust in him. Is it that easy? Yes. Is it that hard? Yes but you'll never regret it. You'll never regret believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at kidsquest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. 
We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening, and God bless.